Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. Kane is in the building. I'm here with Wayne Ogden-Smith and Franz Bernard. Wayne was in the Vietnam War, a prisoner of war, ended up coming out and was CEO of Mid-American Energies, lived an amazing life, and we're going to be able to be here to kind of hear about it. So in the first part, we're going to talk a little bit about his childhood, his upbringing, and then the Vietnam War a little bit. So can you just give us a little background from where you went to college, how you got into the war? Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah uh, well, <laughs> uh, no one would believe this, but I, I never knew my father. I grew up with my grandparents in a little town called Richmond, Kentucky, in Richmond, yeah. little town outside of Lexington, long away from Louisville. Anyhow, I was very fortunate to uh, go up in a school at Eastern Kentucky State Teachers College, and there were 30 students. And the training, it was a training school for the teachers to teach teachers how to teach. Oh, wow. And there were only 30 students in a class. Yeah. And I had all the auspices for the university. Well, now it's a university, then it was a college. So, anyhow, uh, as a result of that, uh, I got a pretty good education. Uh, Lois found out that yeah, I had one B. <laughs> my experience, but then I, uh, but as a result of that, I had the auspices of all of the, uh, I, you know, basketball and all the guys, and they trained yeah. us how to do stuff. So that that was a good beginning, and then I moved to the big city of Louisville, Kentucky, <laughs> and I went through four years of high school there, and and believe it or not, Eastern High School in Louisville. Okay. Strange, huh? Eastern <laughs> College, Eastern. Oh. Huh? And then uh, all of a sudden I uh, fit in yeah, pretty well. Uh, and uh, I don't know how, probably best known for being the only undefeated 
football team <laughs> still today, and we call each other every month, or every, every, after every, every year, and say, are we still the only undefeated team in Eastern Kentucky? <laughs> and I, yeah, I happen to be quarterback. Yeah. And that helped for me to get my uh, appointment to the Air Force Academy. Although, yeah, I would, did not play one down of football. <laughs> you know, but I was a basketball player. There you, go. you know, of all things. Yeah. And uh, I won't tell you that story, but we were the best defensive team in the country <laughs> because we held the ball. There was not a time clock. And we knew we couldn't beat these eight-foot-tall guys. Yeah. So we were talking tiny. And anyhow, the beauty of it was uh, we'd tell the ball. No time clock. Held it, held it, held it. We're the best defensive team in the country. Yeah. Honestly, God, our, our adversaries average less than 45 points a game. Unfortunately, we average less than 44 points a game. But we held our own. Yeah. But, but again, what do you do when you're uh, tiny and yeah, you're right. little guys and we, you know, they couldn't hire anybody or Get too many people over six five. I don't think was it. So anyway, but uh, and then I uh, ended up uh, getting out of there and got it. Got into a fighting uh, world with the air force. Uh, the air force and uh, flew uh, several planes. But I ended up in the F four. Uh, and actually, I became a test pilot. In the F-4D, which was a new model, F-4C was the one that's most known, and I was able to uh, learn how to develop with a lot of scientists the walleye missile. Really? It's called a smart bomb, <laughs> a TV bomb. It had a TV scope. Okay. Unfortunately, you had to go slow and you had to keep it straight. When I delivered it, I had 90 missions, by the way, flying lots of missions and all kinds of missions. But I'll just go quick. But I, I, was, I was a test pilot, and so I was one of those who helped develop that weapon. And it never missed. Unfortunately, you had to go low and slow and aim, and you couldn't move it. Like all of our, we've thrown 85, 50, we're throwing. All kinds of five hundred and seven fifty pounders and stuff, all over uh, North Vietnam. I had ninety missions, by the way. Wow! At most of them over Hanoi, because I flew out of Ubon, Thailand. Did you know that nobody from South Vietnam could move anything into North Vietnam? We had to fly away. The South Vietnamese would not let any. But yeah, yeah, go over north. So I was. Uh, flying out of Ubon, Thailand, so that I could fly all my missions over the North Vietnam. Okay. And so that's where... You know, no prize, yeah. Right. So we did some damage there, needless to say, and <laughs> finally ended the war there, yeah. uh, even though I was there for five years and two months as a prisoner of war. <laughs> <laughs> but they did. They sent over B-52s. We heard them rumbling, and we said, it's going to be over. After so many years of dead silence doing the Paris peace talks yeah. for years. Right. And we said, oh, what? huh? what's going on? Nothing, silence. And then all of a sudden we hear this rumble. And it was B-52s and they went over and bombed the hell out of them. It was over. Ten days later, 
home. Wow. Can you imagine that? Could have been done years earlier. Mm-hmm. Could have been done long before he even yeah. got there, for Christ's sake. I'm sorry. No, that was a great introduction. I love that. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we were just going to kind of dive into the... The uh, prisoner of war element and, and what was going on? What was your mental? How did you feel about it? How did just the story that got you there? And then let's just start with the story that got you there. Okay. Well, <laughs> the story got me there. I was, I was obviously shot down. And I was a junior bird man, got out, uh, almost made it to the water, by the way. I had a chase plane, had. One engine, F4 has two engines. Yeah. One engine had flames coming out of it, according to Chase, guy <laughs> watching me come at, trying to get me to the shore. It took about 15 minutes from Hanoi to the Gulf of, uh, Gulf of Tonkin. And he said, Wang, get ready to go. He said, you've got flames coming out of one of your engines, two and a half aircraft lengths long. <laughs> And and I could see the boats ready to pick me up. They're all, you know, we're all communicating and everybody's going crazy. And he said, uh, and all of a sudden that damn plane just flipped upside down. Oh, my God. And I had no choice. I had to punch. Either that or, you know, yeah. end up in the ground. So I got out and I'm hanging in a tree with my feet 12 feet above the ground. <laughs> Somehow, and it didn't take them long to capture me, and I didn't have any good guys around me, so that was captured pretty quickly and ended up, it took me a long time, marching. Oh, I'll tell you a quick story. Yeah. Uh, When I went up this road in the night, they only moved me at night. Okay. And I would see through my blindfolds, and my hands are tied behind my back. Yeah. And I could hear an engine, and then I could see through my, you know, thing, lights. And then they would throw me in a ditch and jump on top of me. And I wondered, what the hell? And later, I found out when I got some communications as a prisoner of war in Hanoi through our our old uh, network that we learned how to do the tap code. and So... Anyway, they said, oh, you didn't know what that was? Oh, there's a price on your head. Oh, my God. They would kill each other to get me. Yeah, that's how how desperate they were to get money. And so if you captured a POW, they would give. And so if they captured a captured POW, so that's who got the money. And they would kill each other. Oh, oh my God! Absolutely! Oh yeah, I didn't know that. I had no idea. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. But no, they were so desperate to get something to eat yeah. wow. that they would kill their own to capture me and get the money when they t- turned me over to the uh, the North Vietnamese. Uh, wow! Isn't that something? I had no idea what that was all about. I said, "Shh, what?" Can I ask a quick question? Sure. Sorry. Yeah, Wayne, so when you were going down initially, what were your thoughts in that? Because I know it's a very, it can be a very touching 
subject, but well, it's definitely it's actually, something. Uh, I, I don't think I had any thoughts that are uh, other than use my training. And we were trained well. And with the Air Force Academy, I went through all this stuff. And then I was in pilot training, and then I went to fighter pilot. And I doubt. So we went through a lot of training. Yeah. Uh, POW training and lots of stuff like that. So that was helpful. So you just kind of, I think, helped me keep my head <laughs> so I could think. And that was important. I, you know, because I think that we were really very well trained from from the day I was seventeen years old and went to the Air Force Academy until I got into fighters and uh, the you know ten years later. Extremely sharp. Yeah, sure. I think that was the training is so important, and so you don't lose your mind, right? Uh, which, yeah, so, uh, and and you're able to. Uh, Use your faculties and and do what you can. So, I don't know. I I don't know if that helps your answer. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. So, just wondering, how did they train you when you were saying like for train you for POW oh, by the Air Force? How they? Oh, what were the? Absolutely. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> that that's interesting. Uh, good question. But no, we went through so much of of training. In, in those circumstances. Oh, like simulation. Yeah, simulation. I mean, I went through snake school <laughs> in the Philippines what, before what, I went over. What is that? Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, gosh, you're out in the jungle <laughs> because you don't know. what. what wow. Yeah. And then I went through uh, 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 schools in the Rocky Mountains and stuff and be out there for days and learn how, yeah, so that you can learn how to, to cope, cope with the with the snow and blizzards and stuff. So, no, there was, there was a great uh, experience to uh, go through all that stuff. And uh, anyway, I, I, they trained us pretty well. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. But, like yeah, that. can you imagine that? Snake school, we called it, in the Philippines. <laughs> And we would be out there in the jungle for days. Uh, and I was, I was like, God, with the monkeys, and we're, we're, we have to use whatever equipment we had to sleep in the trees. They told us how to climb, you know, stay in the trees because that was better than laying on the ground. Yeah, right. Stuff like that. Uh, anyhow, sorry. Okay. That's great information, Wayne. <laughs> it is. That's that's wild. But um, I, earlier, you kind of mentioned a little bit about the communication tactics that you had with fellow POWs. Would you like to delve into that a little bit more for us? Yeah. <laughs> well, the first time I uh, uh, got to the bathhouse, you, you know, after they said they got blood and guts on, and so <laughs> they put me in this little place, and in fact. I started to climb in this little tiny tub, climb in it. And all of a sudden, the guard opened a uh, little peak hole. And he said, no, 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 no. No, that was for at least 15 other POWs. And I was supposed to take my cup and pour it over my head and wash all the blood and guts. Yeah. 
And I thought it was a tub. I thought I'm supposed to climb in there, like a shower or something. No, no. <laughs> so anyhow, then I heard a voice, and he was yelling down this common drain. There were like six or eight of these little tubs. But you, and he yelled, hey, new guy, tap code, five rows, five columns. The C and the K are the same. We didn't need 26 letters. We used 25 letters. Tap, one, one, A, one, two, C, one. C and the K are the same. One, one, two, three. So we, we use that to communicate with, especially in those tubs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Then we found, I don't have my cup here, uh, somewhere, you've seen it down. Then we found later that we could actually yell through some of the walls and yell through our cups, these little tin cups that we had to drink with. And that's why all my cups down at the museum have holes in them. And they're, yeah, yeah, we use them to communicate with. But we went for a couple of years figuring, (laughs) breaking our knuckles, that we we could actually talk to each other. (laughs) So, yeah, about that. But it would took a long time, and it, oh, hey! But I, mean, I never get the first one. Hey, new guy, C and the K are the same. I had to learn to code twenty five letters and tap 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 tap, and then we found oh shit, I can talk to you. <laughs> How long did that take you? To oh, I two years, two years, probably a year before oh, I got wow. it, before I figured it out. Yeah. No, 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 you're good. You're good. <laughs> so what's your mindset going into this place? And then throughout, like your mindset when you got captured, you're like, we're at, we're at the Hanoi Hotel. Like what's going on? What are you thinking about? How'd you overcome that? Like, I think what overcame was when the first guy yelled, you know, said, hey, new guy. And he'd been there. So many years before I was. Yeah. And I felt like, my God, well, I'm a wuss. <laughs> so, yeah. I said, wait a minute. I got to suck it up and get with the program. So, really. And then, and because I was able to carry our shit cans because I was young, I found so many ways to communicate on that can that you'd never believe it. And I could change the lids. And I could scratch on the bottom of the lids and take it to the senior ranking officers who were not next door to me. They were in solitary confinement. Isolated, we called them. Probably right. I mean, all these guys. Yeah. And so I could take those lids and change them and write stuff on the inside and communicate with them and pass the word around to a lot of people. So that was my job. Okay. I said, I'm young. They're allowing me to pick up these cans. I'm not broken. I don't have broken legs. And I was next to McCain, by the way. He was really? broken. Oh, yeah. Wow. Next to him for, for two years. Wow. And John was a mess. <laughs> My God. <laughs> I mean, they, and then they would re-break his bones, for Christ's sake. And they'd no bring way. him back for interrogation because his father and his grandfather were all four stars. Yeah. And so he, he and, but he was next to me. I was warehouse 10. He's warehouse 11. And so, I'm sorry. Oh, little, oh. No, so oh. our concern yeah. is, uh, oh. so it's right here. You want to speak into this. Oh. So we want to make sure that we just capture yeah. okay. it all. Yeah, okay. Great. I'm no, no, but anyway, but no, that was uh, part of a, uh, my uh, experience too. 
be with him. Are you breaking his bones? He broke his bone. No, I, I had no broken bone. <laughs> no, no, his, no. Him, him, his. He, oh, he was busted yeah. completely. Two broken arms and a broken leg. And then they would torture him again because of his father and his grandfather, both four stars, wow. to, to try to get him to write confessions and whatever the heck they were doing. And hell, I'm just a no, nobody. And that's how I had the opportunity to uh, find different ways to communicate and get around the camp and get to the senior ranking officers and keep them informed about stuff going on. So, anyhow. So what was the layout of the area? Was everyone in solitary or just, what, like, I'm, I'm just trying to understand what it yeah. was like in there. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, the first camp I was in, it, I was in a number. And, okay. okay. It was, we called it the plantation, which mainly was called Hanoi Hilton. And uh, we were in solitary confinement. And then they had to bring other people in because they ran out of space. Yeah. And so then I was with another guy, Ron Liebert, and another guy came in, Cliff Walker. But then they moved us out again. And then they had to move us to, to China. I mean, yeah, right up on the border <laughs> because of the Sante raid. Okay. And that was, that was awful. Uh, but they moved us up there. Uh, because they, I don't know how this happened. This is scary. I'll mention this. Today, we have a problem with secrecy. I'll, I'll never forget this. Sante, they had like over 30 POWs. That was a camp 30, 50 miles south. I don't know where it was. And they came in with helicopters and they knew they were there, and it was planned beautifully. And they crashed into that compound. You have to review this, you know, get my story straight. But I was there then. And they came in and tried to rescue POWs. You know what? There was not a soul there. They came in in what we call sanitized era, killed all the gooks. They're gone. Walked in. Broke loose all the, the, the bars. Not one American was there. Do you think anybody told somebody anything? You, uh, no kidding. And that's what scares me even today. We have people that are not Americans and telling our leaders uh, wrong things. So I, I, I hate to mention that, but I know that's true because yeah. I was there and that happened years and years ago. I mean, many years ago. Yeah. I was 24 at the time. I'm 76 now. That's like 50 years ago. Yeah. So, thank you. And that, I know that's true. That, that there, were, there were nobody there. And somebody let them know before they came in. They, it was a beautiful mission. I mean, you can look it up, please. Uh, Sante, S Sante. And that was in, oh, gosh, 70. Shut down 73, probably 75, and that 76 time frame. But uh, anyhow, 
That's 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 something you might want to write down. Yeah, we got that. Thank you. Yeah, but no, we were shocked. Uh, but no, you don't hear about you don't hear about that. Nobody knows about much about that. But anyway, that's Sunday. I'm sorry, bore you. No, no, no. no. <laughs> they're definitely not boring us at all, Wayne. This is literally groundbreaking to us. Just listening to all this crazy information yeah. and your experiences. Yeah, it's, I haven't thought about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> wow. Well, I'm living in Naples, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> I'm worried about the dog market. <laughs> Uh, two def- definitely different spectrums of life right there. <laughs> yeah. So um, I want to ask you kind of like about your faith, like while you were in there. You were in there for a, yeah. a long time, over five years. So like did you like visualize like getting out and stuff like that? Were there ever times where you were like you just you were like, oh, I'm, I'm never going to get out of here? Like how what was going through your mind? Well, <laughs> no, <laughs> they're talking about faith. Everybody had a faith, different faith, but we were all, you know, every time we ended a conversation on the wall, uh, da-da, da, G, da, da-da, B, U, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know what that said? God bless you. It's moving stuff. That is wild. It's beautiful. Every conversation. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that is beautiful. That is what. Yeah. Do you have any yeah. questions? No, that's amazing stuff. Like, really, thank you for sharing that. So. I don't care what faith you're in. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. It's together as a group. We're doing this together. So. What was so when you were in the in there by yourself, like during the day? I understand that you were able to maneuver yourself and be able to move the um, get outside a little bit more. Room about half the size of this, just a uh, yeah, I don't know, uh, ten by fifteen, something like that, and and that was my my place. But then they had three holes that was so uh, couldn't. uh, big prison, but they were because they blocked them off. Yeah. But but the holes they had three holes that let the air in. Okay. And we didn't have any way to look out. Okay. Uh. So anyhow. Never got to see the outside. No. For but they years. took us out. Yeah. But they took us out. And me especially because yeah. I would pick up the cans and oh, deliver. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of guys, I don't know, they 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 would take them out to pick up their food. I forget about that. And they would pick up. <laughs> we had uh, people ask me, "So what did you eat?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but two days a, 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 a day. I mean, two times a day. Two times a day. In the summertime. We would pick up, and I didn't know what this was, summer only. And it was called pumpkin soup. Didn't taste like pumpkin, but it was pig fat 
<laughs> yeah, and it had hairy little rinds on it, but it was orange. And we get uh, t- twice a day in the summer. That's what they. That's the only thing they had was what was they called pumpkin soup. Yeah. And in the winter time, it we call it sewer greens. <laughs> but it was cabbage soup. It didn't taste like cabbage. <laughs> but it's prepared the same way twice a day. Nine o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the afternoon, about my guess, and the uh, <laughs> but the sewer greens were sort of the same thing. It was pig fat with greens or whatever you call it, <laughs> and uh, and and they pour uh, pig rinds in there. Wow! And they kept us alive. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. <laughs> and we had water. Yeah, we'd pick up our, our ju- we had a jug of water, and I, some, they I kept it uh, safe for us. So at least we had a way to stay uh, hydrated. Hydrated, yeah. So that was it. Wow. Well, on that note, uh, to cap off uh, your whole time and experience in Vietnam, uh, we definitely want to know like what was going through your mind when you were getting out of there. If you want to kind of talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, obviously, we... Oh, sorry. So you just want to grab okay, here? Sorry. No, no, there you go. Oh, there. Yeah. Well, obviously, no one gave up hope. Yeah. Any day, we thought the war might end. Yeah. And you had to. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, we, we Actually, they used to pipe stuff through to us, mainly information that was sent to South Vietnamese people, and they decided to put it into our squawk box, and they built a squawk box in our cells. And it was Jane Fonda telling Americans how bad we were. Really? Y'all remember Jane Fonda? No, could you explain? Oh, really? Oh, my God. Yeah, no. Oh, Jane Fonda was, (laughs) my God. Oh, my, you you could probably find me somewhere. But she would say, Americans go home. And, you know, she was a a communist, and it was her voice that they thought might influence her. I mean, influence us. But I, I can't believe you have never heard of this. But it's really amazing. But they started squawking her, but it was mainly for South Vietnamese. But then they just started to send it to POWs in North Vietnam. And they put these boxes up so we could hear this, this lazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and when we, but you know what? We laughed. It was, it was comedy time. <laughs> really? <laughs> and we, did you hear that? Oh, no, we're <laughs> now, but really, can you imagine? She was so against America that we just couldn't believe it, number one. Right. But once we heard her doing all this litany of uh, communist stuff, yeah. we just said, oh, what a riot. So we made it fun. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly. <laughs> but we couldn't believe it that an, an American right. like could do that yeah. and send it to South Vietnam, but then they sent it to North Vietnamese POWs. It's even worse. Oh yeah, but we—I mean, actually, it was—it was a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, 
whatever it was worth, it uh, it was a lot of humor for us. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you had another question. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but still on the other point though, like uh, what was when, when you were getting out? I, uh, oh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like when you were getting out, like what was going through your mind and stuff like that, like freedom and. Oh man! Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> like I said, we did not know after uh, Paris peace talks for two years. Silence. We didn't get any experience. So, oh my! They forgot about us. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, in December of 1972, B-52s came rumbling over. And we went, oh, my God. This, this B-52s make a lot of noise. Yeah. <laughs> and they bombed. And within weeks, the war ended. And they could have done it, obviously, yeah. five, you know, five years earlier. <laughs> you know, before I got shot down, we could have ended it. But uh, I don't know. That's just uh, politics, I guess. Whatever. But no, the, the, they had peace talks in Paris, and it yeah. went on forever and ever and ever. But nothing ever happened until they said, that's it. It's over. And we heard those. You won't believe the cheers. Coming from everywhere. In our uh, little humble cells. (laughs) It's going to end. And, man, it did. It wasn't long, very shortly thereafter we all came out. But there's one thing that we did, return with honor. Did I mention that? Okay. We made sure that each one of us came out in order of shoot down. Really? It's beautiful. Return with honor. Because others left early, came out. And we said, no, you're not Stockdale and all these guys. And he said, no. And we got, when we delayed our return to make sure that we came out in order. And the guy that led me out to that airplane was shot down the day before I was. And we weren't going to defy that <laughs> I love that that's amazing that's a real way to pay tribute everyone does their time and when that goes you go yeah but that was important to us definitely oh man yeah thank you for sharing that's amazing no I love it I love it um so- I was going to ask a couple more questions. Yeah. Um, so we'll do another like 10 minutes of this and then we'll move over to the business side. So what was, um, first of all, did you, like, did John McCain, like was being next to John McCain interesting? Did you know he was someone who's going to do all these political things? No. He didn't no, I don't think John had any inclination to do anything like that <laughs> in those conditions when he was broken. I mean, yeah. broken, but no, I, I'm sure he didn't. Yeah. And he was just—we're all trying to survive, some of yeah, yeah. And uh, but uh, he was pressured, you know, to uh, 
I actually because his because of his I heard legacy. Right. Yeah, his uh, his dad actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I was actually listening, and it was saying that his dad called in favors for him to leave, and he was like, "I'm not leaving unless all of my buddies leave." So, so true. Yeah, which is all the brotherhood that Wayne's been referring yeah. to, and it's okay. like, <laughs> it's cool to see the video of some guy talking about it, and then you're in oh, yeah. person, you're like, we we are not leaving. <laughs> That's powerful stuff. It is, but that was so important to us more than anything. Yeah. Uh, and so we all we all made sure that we lined up in order of shoot down. Yeah. And that that was our return with honor commitment. Yeah. And we held up our return, even though our loved ones are waiting for us. Yeah. To come out in order of shoot down. Love it. I love it. So one last question, when you, or we can have a couple more, but when you were coming back from Vietnam and you go back to America, wasn't there, was there hostility about the war? I mean, because from, from my, from, yeah, from. (laughs) That question, when we came back, we knew there was hostility toward the war, even when I was there. But when we came back, uh -uh. unbelievable. Unbelievable. What do you mean? Cheers. We cheers. Really? Unbelievable. When POWs came home, it was absolutely incredible. I have never, ever. I mean, we're. I'm with President Nixon. <laughs> I know. I can't. Can you believe this? And people all over the world were just. I went went to so many cities, and they took us everywhere. You're a celebrity. Just, yeah. <laughs> but no, what a change, huh? Only because we were prisoners of war, and they just uh, thought we were the greatest things since ice cream. Not really. <laughs> but but, but the, the respect that they had for us was uh, overwhelming to oh, me. I had good. no idea yeah. that that was going to be my return. I mean, we went everywhere. Went to Washington, went to Spirit President, no, got all over the world. Not all the world, but... Uh, it was uh, pretty, pretty. Uh, so they had that group. It was the group of thirty. You said. I'm sorry. How big was the pr- prisoner of war group? Oh, 471 of us survived. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, there's a large number of us and out of four had- out of over 1,400 shot down. Oh wow. So it was still a small group. Yeah. And of course, 58,000 were killed yeah. in Vietnam, but we were just pilots, you know, going yeah. over north. So it was a smaller group. So. You guys, yeah. yeah. Do you want to do you want to go first? Or? No. Okay. Um, so uh, you were you were speaking about like all these um, uh, places that you were traveling to and things, meeting with President Nixon. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the awards that you had received? Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Actually, uh, n- not really. Okay. Because yes, I have a lot of. I I do not have the. Congressional Medal of Honor that I told Lois, my wife, yeah. that when I die, I will posthumously get it. <laughs> no, I have 
No, you've seen all my gongs and stuff, but uh, but uh, and I'm not sure I'm deserving of them uh, yet, whatever. But uh, very humble. I, well, I don't know. About that. <laughs> <laughs> no, she wouldn't say that either. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> but no, I was just uh, thrilled to come come home. And if I didn't get one medal, I would didn't still matter. No, it didn't matter. No. Uh-uh. But uh, they're they're on the, the military museum, and people can see them. So. If you want to see what a couple of silver stars look like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but no, they actually did a pretty good job. And they're going to build a new museum, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So they're working on it. So uh, here you go. Um. So when you came back, those travels, you're going all around to different cities. What was... Did you have an agenda? Were you like, I need to find a job? Like, I don't, my mindset is I have no idea. Like you graduate college, for me, it was graduate college, go find a job. Yeah. You're like, okay, I come home from being a prisoner of war. Yeah. What do I do now? Yeah. Like, <laughs> So we're here with Wayne and we're here with Franz for part two. And we're going to dive into Wayne's business experiences. So just, we heard a little bit in part one about your overarching, but what were your... I'm still confused how you go from engineer to executive. You say it like so casually and so nonchalant, but like as I'm an analyst here, how how'd you do that? <laughs> oh my! Well, uh, how did I learn to fly an airplane? Oops, the other way. Sorry. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're good. I, I how do you learn to fly an airplane? Well, I went to Air Force Academy, had doc, you know, some indoctrinations and stuff, and uh, finally learned how to do that. And became fairly successful at uh, what I did, and got into the right airplanes, and uh, ended up, uh, unfortunately, uh, lo- losing one of my airplanes. <laughs> 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 Broke it, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, somehow I made it through that experience, and then decided I'm going to do something different, and decided to get out of the Air Force, and 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 thankfully I did, but then I didn't know what to do, so. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> I, I had a, a job for a couple of days and then they went under and I decided, well, I got to keep going <laughs> and uh, yeah, but then I ended up with, uh, getting into the in- industrial gas business and I worked for air products and chemicals for over 16 years and I started in engineering of all things, running engineering stuff, uh, building heat exchangers and helium, and then we got into really good. And then somebody said, "Hey, what's he doing here? Put him in, make him executive, and let him try to do that stuff." And that's how I got into running companies. It was uh, several different things, but I've had to move all over creation. And they owned three of my homes at one time because they moved me from San Francisco, New Orleans, back to Allentown, Pennsylvania, where our corporate was and where I was running big pieces of the corporation. Yes, sir. Go ahead. And how, like, this person who called you and was like, hey, we need Wayne as an executive. Yeah. Who was he to you and how did he know about you? Like, how did you distinguish yourself? Okay. I, I think the guy's name was <laughs> Pat Dyer who was a genius, but he also had military experience. And Pat, though, was so well-known and 
and somehow he told these guys, wait, I don't want him there. I'm going to move him. So could you? Your experience. Yeah. But he was, he was heading, heading a corporation at the time and decided to, uh, but uh, Pat uh, was also uh, knew enough about me and my past experience to say I, I need to move him. So, and they did. So, yeah, good man. Leadership role. Yeah. So yeah, I was. Uh, he said I, I don't want him uh, uh, developing new heat exchangers, <laughs> and I, I think he he's capable of running the parts of the business, and that's how it ended up. And then, of course, I left that company and went with Airco Gases when they said, "Oh my God, this guy you know can help us." And then, of all things, I ended up uh, with uh, Mid American Energy. When they pulled, yes, sir. They pulled you from the first company. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So when you were an executive at the first company, that's kind of where you built your foundation. Yes. What was your leadership style slash? How'd you go about it? You didn't. Okay. You were kind of. I don't know if you were new to it or yeah. what you like. I, I, what's the thoughts? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's all. It's all. Yeah. It's interesting. Because the only thing I could ever do is fly an airplane after I got an airplane. <laughs> but I was I was an engineering sciences major and, and, and knew that stuff. I also sang in the choir, which really? yeah, oh my, oh, I sang on the Ed Sullivan show for goodness sake. Yeah, yeah. At the, when did you do that? Oh, at the Air Force Academy. Oh yeah. No, I I was I sang Oh Holy Night. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, and that. Uh, and I still sing, by the way. Oh, believe me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I also was a classical pianist. And I played Mozart and uh, Beethoven and Rachmaninoff. I still, you know, play a little bit, but uh, Lois doesn't like for me to turn. But at least that piano right there, I can, it's, it's electronic, so I can shut down that thing and use my earphones. So, so I don't have to bother with that. <laughs> but anyway. Back to the earlier question. Uh, with that, uh, and now I've forgotten the question. It's when you become an, when you became an executive. Your oh. leadership style. Oh, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. my leadership style basically was to say, go to the executives and say, by the way, <laughs> what is it that we do? And, you know, that worked because they said, oh, my gosh. This this guy has no clue. <laughs> you know, it's true. And they said, I think I'm going to work well with this guy. <laughs> and so I could get, pick their brains and they could tell me everything that I needed to know and to help them in any way I could. Okay. And that was a totally change. Most executives, when they've been in the same company for 100 years and they move up the ladder and all that stuff, they, they think they know everything. Me not knowing anything assured that I would find help from those under me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You, you. yeah. I'm sorry, but it does. I, yeah. I, it really works. Mm-hmm. And to say, I uh, help me. I don't know what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, do what I can. So it's a totally different thing. Is than my way or the highway kind of uh, intelligence. It's a cohesive unit. Yeah, it it was. 
And then they tried to, to, to make sure that I stayed that way <laughs> by doing the right thing. <laughs> That's the more knowledge you uh, yeah. soak in. I'm stupid. <laughs> you tell me. Wait, so were you nerd? Because like, usually when you go into a job, you're like, everyone, I don't know about you, but my mindset when I go into a new job is, can I complete this job? You're like, I don't. Let, let's, let's just go for it. Let's just let's just see what happens. They hired me. Like, what's going to happen? The world's not going to end. Like, I've been through the tough times. So, what? So, you viewed leadership as empowering the ones around you to take ownership. Is that exactly? Is that kind of what you're saying? I, I think that uh, one of the things that probably helped me is. Uh, possibly because of my experience in the Air Force. And having been a prisoner of war, I think they had a lot of respect for me. But then they had more respect for me when I insisted that I had no clue. (laughs) (laughs) And I need your help. If we're going to be successful, I'll do everything I can to support you. Okay, and, and I really meant that. And I think that just changed the previous bosses and things that they had experience with, which were fired, by the way. That's another successful thing to remember is when they fire the guy who's in front of you or, and I come into the company, oh, I have a good chance of making it. Yeah. But no, that's, I'm serious about that. How weird is that? When I came in, my pre my successors had been canned. Really? Yeah, and they had to find somebody that they thought might work out. But I didn't know squat about some of the companies I ran. <laughs> no, I mean that. But you don't need to. The people that work for you know everything about that company. Have been there for years. You just have to let them unleash their ability and rather than that jerk asshole from the top tell them what to do huh it really works so so what did so if everyone's doing the work then what what was your main thing that you focused on that like what intangibles got you brought in I understand that you People respected you. They understand how you got things done. Mm-hmm. But what was it that really like held you there? And then what were your responsibilities and how did you help everybody else out? Hmm. Well, that's interesting. because well, <laughs> It's true. I didn't know anything about some of the businesses I ran. But I cared about the people. Okay. And they worked hard. And I felt that if there's anything I could do to make them work harder is to care for them, respect them, and help them in any way I could. And sometimes you had to, you know, some people weren't going to buy in to that thing, but you really had to assure. And, but once you get their respect... And they say, you know what? I really think I want to work for this guy. I I, I don't mean that, uh, but I had a feeling 
let's put it that way, that they felt good with me being in, in charge. And they worked their tail off. And they had their people that also felt good about it because it has to, it has to be uh, throughout the whole ranks. The whole organization has to, has to feel comfortable with their new boss. And so we worked hard at uh, making sure th- that worked. And there, I had to, you know, cans of people sometimes, oh, it's my way or that way. And you can't, no, not exactly. You have to uh, make sure that your employees have respect and want to work for you and have, well, some, you know, true, a lot of people don't have the abilities or are in the wrong fit. And you have to take care of those situations. But for the most part, I'm telling you, people want to do the best job they can. I haven't met too many people that did not want to come to work and say, I did a good job today. And, but if their bosses are t- tell them, oh, you know, I don't like what you're doing or something, don't give them a chance, then I, I don't, it, it's not a good situation. Uh, I, what do I know? <laughs> so, but I, I thought it worked. Those are awesome tips. Just, I really, I really appreciate that because coming from my perspective, sometimes you enter the company and you don't see the yeah. But I mean, you're and, yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's like you come in from the bottom and you're like looking up, and everyone's like, you can't talk to this person, you can't talk to this person. But if you're giving access to people. And opening up and showing that you care, and it's like meaningful. Like, it's not like we have to do this event because we have to make the company look good. It's like, what's going on in your life situation? That that's amazing, and that's like makes me feel good inside. Um, but for when you went to the CEO of Mid America, what was your first of all? How did they poach you? Like, how did they pull you? Were you applying for the job? No. Oh no! How, yeah, how do you get pulled to oh, each of these no. different jobs? He, no, no. When he left, is the uh, Pat Dyer? Okay. Uh, he knew me, and the first thing he did, he said, "I got to hire this guy because he knew me, and I want to make him president." Uh, and but so yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, yeah. So he knew. Uh, that I was the right guy and acquired me, you know, whatever it took for me to come over to run the company. So uh, that's how that one happened. Yeah. And then after that experience, then uh, when Warren Buffett you know, came running uh, and I did Mid American Energy, that was a totally different uh, ball game, of course. But because I never knew Warren Buffett, but oh, really? but yeah, oh no. I didn't know him personally. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, when he bought the thing, he it, oh my gosh, and anyhow, that that was a whole different uh, experience, and that was amazing. I had no idea he he wanted to he wanted to take it, but uh, I was pretty fortunate there. But and not one shareholder said no. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So um, this this question's been. I feel like it can relate to um, a lot of people like um, our age and stuff like that who are uh, new in their careers and stuff. Yeah. Um, what what advice would you give out to them to 
to people who want to exceed and excel in, in their business and their companies and things like that? Mm. Well, that's a, a very tough question. And can you hear? Uh oh, I turned it wrong way. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, damn, mine doesn't work that way. <laughs> there? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hopefully, I uh, can answer that. Has something to do with. Uh, I'm watching Kentucky. That's where. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, back to. Uh, uh, that, advice that you would give advice yeah mm. to people starting out who want to rise to well mm. that's a good one you know what uh, you need to listen to everybody and don't accept everything you hear but try to understand what they're trying to get across and then pick what you think works. That's a really tough question. But uh, I really think that if they, you, you don't have to take advice from everybody. Take advice from the people that honestly meet your standards and your God-given talents uh, and your heart. If, if you just want to get a job or do something and you think that's going to work, there's more to it than that. The company you work for or the people you work for uh, I think are important. Mainly, the, the company interested in. Now, the problem is, a lot of people can't get a job just like that. Right. And so they have to take a job they don't want, mm -hmm. yeah. obviously. So I don't know how you get over that thing other than Prove that you're doing a good job. And then you have an opportunity to get a better job, maybe. Uh, and so that's a tough one. Uh, obviously, the more <clears throat> education you can get, even though you're not able to in some cases, hell, I was, God almighty, I would never have been anywhere if I didn't get an appointment to the Air Force Academy. I, I had no way to afford education until I got a senatorial appointment to the Air Force Academy. I'm sorry. Oh, really? I had no money. I had no father. I grew up with my grandparents. My mother died when she cancer. Died. In, well... Forget. She had. I, I lived next to Bluegrass Ordnance Depot. Okay. You know where that is in Richmond, Kentucky, no. and Lake Reba. No, uh, that's where they Kentucky. stored all the nuclear waste. Oh, Bluegrass Ordnance Depot, and somehow my sister died, my mother died, my grandparents died, all cancer. Wow. And I lived. Wow. Somehow. 
and that's where I went to high school. Yeah. I mean, that's where so I, I left. Exposure. I left Richmond to go to high school in Louisville, and uh, went through four four years of high school there. So I got I made it out there, but yeah. the rest of them didn't make it. But that was really Lake Reba was here. You had to go from Bluegrass Ordnance Depot and come all the way around Richmond and go back. But it was only five miles from where I lived. Yeah. Because of one of those things. Mm-hmm. And Lake Reba with water coming through there. Really? Yeah. yeah, I used to fish everything. everything. Oh. Yeah. All my food, my, my bass came out of that <laughs> lake. Wow. Brim mainly. Not, when I get a two-pound bass, it was a big, <laughs> But brim, I got a lot of that. We ate on that. And had one cow that I cooked. <laughs> Yes, sir. Sorry. So back to your education point, get the more education, the better. How'd you get this senatorial appointment for the Air Force Base? Yeah, we, I realized that we never discussed that. Okay. All right. Uh, well, first of all, I went to a great school, thanks to my mother, in uh, Richmond, Kentucky, the home of Eastern Kentucky State College. And they had 30 students that were allowed to go there, and my mother went there somehow. And as a result, all my teachers were taught by master's teachers, and my teachers were student teachers, 30 of us. And so, you know, I had the auspices of everything in the college. And, in fact, uh, my I have a... A Somner, which is five years ahead of Steinway. It's here in Naples, not that. <laughs> that I've got four of those things. But <laughs> anyway, I was a concert pianist when I was twelve. Wow. Can you believe that? Because I had the auspices of, of a teacher, yeah. Ronald Carley, who passed away years ago, but uh, and I learned how to do that stuff. <clears throat> and uh, sang in the choir all my life as a boy soprano when I was six. <sighs> This is crazy. Wow. Yeah. Multifaceted. Can you imagine? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I sang on the Ed Sullivan show. I already mentioned that. But anyway, no, I can, uh, anyhow, uh, where was I? So it was very fortunate to have that, that ability. But at coming out of nowhere, milking cows every morning, <laughs> one, one cow every to, uh, you know, making it and uh, getting to the Air Force Academy. Thruston Morton was a senator who appointed me. And somehow I made it. And now I'm on the selection committee for all the academies, by the way. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh. I do that for, for Rooney and for and stuff and uh, getting ready to do it again here pretty soon. Okay. So, yeah, it's great. I love it. <laughs> i tell you what, I told, I told the guys the other day, I said, you know what? If I had to compete against these kids, I would never make it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. They're so brilliant. Oh, God. <laughs> They're really, they're, they're really, you got some really yeah, good talent really sure. yeah. in Naples and in, in Fort Myers. I do it for the, the whole region. Yeah. But, oh, my God. Yeah. I'm saying, oh, shit. You're good. You're good. We'll edit it out. No worries. I'll do something for you. Oh, okay. Real quick. Okay, so it's back for a So when you moved to Mid-Atlantic or Mid-American, what, 
how that happened, and then how was your experience with Buffett? Just because he's world renowned, everyone wants to know about him. What was he like? Well, when we sold Mid America Energy, he I think he he thought we were buying up a lot of stuff that he wanted to own. Yeah, and so I really never negotiated with him. Yeah, our chairman and and so we I was running the company and da da da. But anyway, he I think it was just because he said, "Holy smokes, look at that company." And that's Warren Buffett. He said, that's the company I would like to own. And sure enough, all our shareholders did it, and he paid us a bunch of money, you know, billions. And uh, so, and like I said, I don't think there was one shareholder that voted no, to my knowledge. I was president at the time, and our chairman pretty much negotiated that with some other you know, attorneys and stuff. So okay. it's, uh, I, I didn't get too involved in uh uh, meeting and getting together with him for oh, stuff. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, which was good because <laughs> somebody had to run the company. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what happened after the after mm. you finished? Uh, like, well, I was fifty five at the time. Oh, so that was yeah. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm I don't need any more. <laughs> I mean, they still pay me my full salary today. Yeah. Oh wow! How'd you how'd you like that one? My boss did. <laughs> no, I, you don't have to put that in. But no, I still get my full salary and bonuses and that stuff. So I'm, and that's forever. Yeah, and th- well, yeah, and I have uh, uh, pensions from all the other companies I go with too. So wow, how else would I live in Naples? <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> You have to cover that. Yeah. On it, on it. No, no. Honestly, we came to Naples last uh, when we came last week. We were just like, "How does everyone live here? It makes no oh, sense." Yeah. And I called my dad, and my dad was like, oh, my "He's like, he's like, everyone. They're just living. What did they do?" <laughs> even when, um, even when we were uh, after we had uh, gone to the show and then went to the museum, mm-hmm. uh, we had grabbed a bite to eat, and then. Before we had hit the road for Tampa, we yeah. took a drive down uh, some of the, was it Gordon Road, was it? I think so. Gordon Road. And uh, the houses there were remarkable. Wow. Oh, my Lord. Some of them you couldn't even see because there's a gate and there's all these oh trees God. above and it's way in the back. more money for uh, guards and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. It's something remarkable to see and it's just kind of it's kind of inspiring honestly because when you put yourself out in front of these like nice things and you visualize yourself in them it's kind of like gives you that spark to kind of like like it's possible it's right here it's in front of you you know now now go and go and get it kind of so my wife and i for your information i don't know okay but uh lois and i have been married for five and a half years something like that they worry about the people. Yeah, so you gotta have something wrong with you. Yeah, so so right now, um, I'm gonna ask Wayne about uh, PTSD and how that was afterwards, and why some people are affected and some aren't. And uh, Wayne's just gonna kind of talk about his part. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> here, I, I actually, I, I think possibly that, that some that have been affected by it and, and whatnot. I think I had a, a, a trauma. 
issue with respect to some of the prop that the stuff they went through in Vietnam War or any of any war for that respect. But the first thing I did was get out of the military as soon as I came back. And I decided to do something different, like getting to the corporate world. And I started off with air products and chemicals and an engineer designing heat exchangers. And then the guy said, wait wait a minute, Wayne, we put him into executive position. And then I started running parts of that company and built it up. And then uh, I was hired by Airco to be their president and chief executive. And then I came out of that and got into Mid-American Energy and ran that company. And that, that keeps you... Busy, okay. oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. and so you're you're you have to be responsible for all these hundreds of thousands of people, yeah. and keep the companies go, doing their thing. But we had all the utilities from Illinois, all of Iowa, Nebraska, and I sold it to Warren Buffett. Yeah. You know who, and then I decided to bail out and uh, came to Naples. But I think to answer that question somehow and maybe I'm fortunate yeah. <laughs> that done not be in that position but I was very lucky to move around and do th- different things See. I came I came from a, started as a concert pianist for goodness sake <laughs> and and then I became a, a you know undefeated football team and went to the Air Force Academy and uh, that you keep going and you just don't you think that has something to do with not uh, getting your brain screwed up right. enough. Standing I don't know. Yeah. Oh, they. That mean the doctors check me all the time, and, and of course my wife checks me every night because she thinks I'm an idiot. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> did uh, by chance was any of your any here? Yeah. Um, so by chance were any of the people you were with who were at POW? Did they struggle with it at all, or? Did you not experience that, or because I, I just know right now it's such an up and coming issue. Like veterans are veterans are just struggling, and it's just what hat like. Yeah. I, I, honestly, of all the people I know who went through that, they're doing great. Oh man! And we're going. We're having. We're having a reunion. Oh, oh wow! Oh yeah! And everybody's. Yeah, happy, Uh, and it is amazing. We still communicate. We have uh, our own listserv, the thing on the on the computer, and uh, unfortunately, so many. Most (laughs) unfortunately, oh, did you hear he died? You know, because I I was twenty four when I was shot down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, left not many. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyhow. It uh, that's that's what we get more news about. <laughs> it's unfortunately uh, he'd been he'd been uh, Arlington Cemetery and you know, yeah. so, uh, and that's the sad part. But uh, for the most, you know, my buddies, well, gosh, Lee Ellis and all, he's got they're out there doing all their things. Yeah. A lot of them are still writing like, books and stuff. Oh, oh yeah, really? oh yeah, wow. oh my yeah. And Lois said, well, are you going to write a book? I said, no. <laughs> I'm too lazy. <laughs> no, they don't want to hear about that. They have enough stories about these guys. So, no, I don't, I don't I have any intention of writing a book. So there's too many of them out there already. <laughs> so. 
Um, yeah. So, I mean, one of the few questions I was having was, is there any, like you lived a wild life, you've done it all. Is there anything you do differently slash regret slash want to still do? <laughs> Boy, what a horrible question that is. <laughs> I, I can't think of anything. I, I am so blessed. Yeah. That uh, I, I don't regret anything. To be honest with you, I, that's what that's when you get hurt. When you were, oh gosh, I wish I hadn't done that. Yeah. And uh, but frankly, with the companies I was with, the companies I left, the company that went with, and whatever, and, and my beautiful bride. I hope she comes in here. <laughs> but uh, even though I had a, one marriage that didn't work out too well. But gosh, I mean, look at this place. I'm in Naples, it's Florida. Beautiful. Isn't yeah, that something? And, yeah. and she's the one that does it all. She's out there doing those plants every day. And we have that creek out there. We have otters running around. Uh, oh, yeah. Squirrels jumping around a screen all night. And so, but no, it's, uh, you can't beat it. It's how, how can you possibly yeah. uh, have anything better? In my world, anyway. So, anyway, I hope she comes in here. Oh, she, she, Lois, is, you know her, right? Lois? What a great lady. Sorry. So, don't. Um, <laughs> um, it's great that you're able to reflect on those kind of things and those blessings that you've had. Um, but, like, uh, we want to know the Wayne from now. Huh? So the way now, yeah. <laughs> are you kidding? Yeah. That's the worst question uh, I've ever had. Oh, man. <laughs> I have no. Yeah. Clue. No, I, so, I honestly, I do not. So like, <laughs> so like, um, <laughs> I knew it wasn't good. So I like, I want to know. I want to know, no, like, I'm uh, to change the world. No. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so, like, how do you like to enjoy your time and things like that? Um, obviously, you gave us that little example no, of the, the piano. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so um, because when somebody comes in, I ought to be able to do that. Yeah. Because I used to, you know, know how to do it. But any, no, there's tons of things I'd probably love to do and yeah, still. And stuff, oh yeah. yeah, but not. No, I'm not uh, uh, anxious to uh, jump into any specialty. Uh, but I love to go to church. I love to sing in the choir. I love the people I'm around. I love my, mainly, I should say the first, I love my wife. I love my dogs. Uh, I love our property. Uh, what can I say? I, there's a, what, I, I don't know what I dislike in my life today. I'm, I'm the most fortunate person that ever lived. Really. I mean, some of us, you know, get pissed and whatever, mm-hmm. but I, I can't think of anything that I'm upset about in my life. That's awesome. It's amazing. It is. It is amazing. Yeah. I used to be upset and yeah. stuff, even when I was flying. Yeah. You know, yeah. I couldn't, ah, that guy didn't do the right yeah. thing. So. Mm-hmm. But now I, I don't have anything that I could say upsets me. Now that's... So it wasn't as dumb of a question as we thought. <laughs> that's a yeah. blessing. Yeah. And God makes that happen for me. So I love the... 
you have an amazing life. That's that's amazing. Um, what is it though? Yes, Dixie. Hey, uh, Dixie. Dixie, how we doing? Oh. Dixie, Dixie's Wayne's dog. <laughs> um, but what what allowed this to happen? What was it like? What allowed you to have this life and build this life? Were there habits you did? Was it anything intentional or just kind of? <laughs> really? No, I didn't. Int- I had no intentions of doing anything other than do the best I could. And anything I did, even then, I, I uh, probably didn't work at it enough. <laughs> really, because once if you're have your mind straight and you really want to do it, you can. Yeah. But some of the things I I don't I don't I didn't accomplish everything I wanted to. And what, what's but, well, I don't know. Yeah. But it, it, it wanted to be president of the United States. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> and, and so really, lots of people said, Wayne, are you when I first came out, are you going to run for president? Really? Wow. Shit, you not. <laughs> no. I did, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's still people want to know, am I going to get into politics or not? No, no, no. I don't want to get in that mess. Even though if I thought I could change this country to the better, there's no way I would get in that mess. But I'd like to. (laughs) No, but I'm not about to. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I love Lois, and we're not going to change. You you love your life. Yes, man. That's amazing. So what is... You've met people. You've met everyone across the world. Who would you say was the most influential slash admirable slash mentor kind of thing that you you had in your life? Boy, that's a, that's a that's a heck of a question because there's so many that I've looked up to and had, had admired and helped me. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you. One of the guys who uh, I probably aspired most to follow was Colonel Robin Olds. He was my wing commander. Uh, He shot down five MiGs in Korea. He had four MiGs in Vietnam. Never got his fifth. He would have been the first ace in two wars. He, he stayed there until the president told him to leave and come home. But he was, he was, he, you know, he had 150 missions or so, and he wouldn't count them because he had to leave after 100. Oh. And President Nixon said, you tell that man if he doesn't come home, I'm going to court-martial him. <laughs> what a what sicko. <laughs> he just loved the process. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, then he, uh, he came back and he became uh, commandant of the Air Force Academy or uh, head of the Air Force Academy oh, wow. for a couple of years and he retired finally. But <laughs> think of that. Yeah. And uh, I had the uh, great experience of flying under him. So. Colonel Robin Oles? Yes, sir. Colonel Robin Olds. He became a general, by the way. But when I was there, he was a colonel. But yeah. he, he was a general. And uh, 
when he retired. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, What a great mentor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And then his deputy commander, his name was Chappie James. What you've done could definitely, definitely has affected other people. Like you've returned the favor that you were given from your mentors. Um, I feel like you've definitely returned that, like when you were talking about. Um, when you were running companies and like showing that care for people and things like that, like really showing interest and having like making them want to work for someone who really does care. Cause a lot of times I guess you can see in maybe different companies like uh, the higher ups, the execs, they don't, they, they tend to use people as commodities. But if you're having like a personable relationship with that person, then it can really drive things to a whole nother level. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I, and I hope uh, that that style did make a difference. I, I really do. And uh, I, I really think it did. Actually. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us. It, it, it's a Saturday <laughs> And and I understand that maybe it's not a big deal to you, but when you called me back with Lois, I would texted Franz right away. I'm like, oh my god, we're gonna have the best Saturday ever. Um, yeah, no, just your lessons and the way you hold yourself and the lifestyle you've created. There's so many lessons to be taken from this, and I can't thank you enough for letting us come in your house and meet I, with you. I just hope I didn't bore you. <laughs> <laughs> This is a Saturday well spent. Well spent. My pleasure. Yeah. Um, so that's it for now. And signing out. Thank you for staying on to the end of the podcast. Now, since you're at this point, I really hope you enjoyed your time with us and that you'll give us a subscribe and a five-star review. It really makes a world of difference. Now, if you want to learn more about us, you can go to Edwards underscore consulting on Instagram. Toss us follow or more about what we're doing. And I really hope everyone keeps clocking in and we have a great day. Great rest of the week. But got on different shoes, live in the same building, but we got different views. I got a couple cars I never get to use. Don't like my women single, I like my chicks and twos. And these days, all the girls are down the road. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.